Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, beloveds. Greetings in the name of our risen, redeeming, and returning Lord and Savior. This is the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in the blessing of the day. Certainly grateful and thankful to have this opportunity to connect with you this Tuesday for yet another walk through the Word of God. I want to invite you now to jump in with us as we continue in our study of the book of Leviticus, as we are continuing to set our sights on spiritual standards. Last week, we began this new lesson of setting our standards of practical holiness. And now we're going to take a moment to review what we talked about last week. And then we're going to jump right in um, as we begin our walk through chapter 18 of the book of Leviticus today. But before we do that, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's seek God's guidance, God's direction as we walk through his word. Join me now in a word of prayer. Most holy and all wise God, we come before you now telling you thank you, Lord, for this day that you've blessed us to see. Thank you for our life, our health, our strength, that we are still closed in a right mind, still able to move from one place to another. God, I tell you, thank you because you've been so good to us. You've been so kind to us. You've been so merciful unto us. You continue to look beyond our every fault and supply every one of our needs. And for that, God, we want to tell you thank you. Now, God, as I prepare to stand before your people to teach your word, I ask as always for clarity of speech and thought that I will be found rightly dividing your word to these, your people. I'm so glad to know that even though the grass may wither and even if the flowers fade, your word will stand forever. Stand up in us now, O God, and as you will, we'll continue to give your name, the praise and all the glory. This is our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray and we praise. Amen. Amen. And amen to God be all of the glory. So, beloveds, last week when we were together, we took a look at Leviticus chapter number 17. Um, as we dealt with or we began to deal with what we know as the standards for practical holiness. Now, there were several things that we shared last week that I just want to recap, if you will. Uh, we talked about understanding that this particular section of Scripture, uh, chapter 17 through chapter 23, deals with the divine order for God of God for man. We talked about the fact that God wants man to be reconciled. When we think about just wrapping up the atonement in chapter 16. God wants a right relationship with mankind. God wants a closer walk with mankind. And in order to have that closer walk, man has to be willing to be reconciled to God. Once he is reconciled, the second thing we said last week was man had to be sanctified, sanctified. He had to be set apart for holy usage. He had to be set apart for a special and a divine assignment from God himself. And then once he was sanctified, then he must understand the importance of living holy, living a life that brings glory and not shame to the name of the Lord. Uh, we shared last week the importance of making sure that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think is found pleasing in the sight of God. Remember, I told you last week that if you didn't hear anything else I said last week, we understood that holiness is a practical thing. It's a practical thing. It's not only knowing scripture, it's also making sure that we are living scripture. It's not just enough to talk it. We got to make sure we walk it too. 
We got to make sure that the world knows that we are who we say we are and that we believe in who we say we believe in. Remember we said last week that this particular area of scripture, chapter 17 through 23, is going to show us that holiness is a matter of knowing what to do and not only knowing what to do, but knowing how to do it. Amen. It's a matter of knowing not only what to do, but knowing how to do it, how to carry out the things that are pleasing in the sight of God. Remember, we said that there's two words that we touched on last week. The two words were principle and practice. Remember, we said principle was a means of knowing what should be done. Practice is a means of understanding how it should be done. Last week, I shared with us four principles. There are four principles of holiness, and I want to take a moment to review them, and then we're going to dive right into uh, today's word. In, in chapters uh, 17, we said that there were four principles of holiness. There were four. Uh, let's see if we can recap those very quickly. Um, modern technology is, is moving a little slow today. We're going to make sure it does what it's supposed to do when it gets to where we're supposed to get to. We said last week that we understand that holiness was a matter of four things. The first thing we said was holiness always involves giving up our ways for God's ways. We got to do it God's way if it's going to survive. If it's going to thrive, we've got to do it God's way. The second thing we said, there it is. Thank God for modern technology. It finally caught up. The second thing we said was holiness involves giving in the right spirit and in the right attitude. No matter what we are, no matter who we are, no matter what we do, if our giving is not done in the right spirit, if it's not done in the right attitude, if we don't give it unto the Lord, God said to tell the people they run the risk of being cut off because they gave with the wrong attitude, the wrong attitude. Third thing we said last week was making sure that holiness involves living in purity. We got to make sure that not only we know what to do, but we got to make sure we carry it out. We got to make sure that everything we do brings glory and honor to God. Remember last week we were talking about blood sacrifices and God made it abundantly clear that if you offer a sacrifice and don't bring it to the temple to be blessed before you offer it, then guess what? You are guilty of murder. Amen. Verse 11 is a key verse in chapter 17 for the life of the flesh is in the blood. If there's no blood there, there is no life there. So we must understand that holiness involves living pure lives. And then we wrapped up last week talking about holiness under, involves understanding that there are consequences for disobedience. Holiness simply says that when I do it any other way than what God has said, then I'm out of line. And if I'm out of line, God says he will punish me. Amen. Verses 14 through 16 made that abundantly clear. He said, you will not eat the blood of any creature because the life of the creature is in the blood. So whoever eats it is cut off. And every person who eats what dies of itself, you're fine. 
you're fine. But once you do it, you've got to wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water in order for you to be clean. But if you don't wash yourself and you don't bathe your flesh, that's where we left off. He said, you will bear the iniquity. You will be punishable. All right. What, what is that? How does that live for us? What, what does that say for us? Here's what that says for us. I believe. I believe that it says for us that we ought to have appreciation for the blood as a believer. As a believer, we ought have an appreciation for the blood. Believers today need to appreciate the importance of the blood. Because after all, according to Romans 5 and 9, we are justified by the blood. Ephesians 1 and 7 says we are redeemed by the blood. Revelation 1 and 5 tells us we are washed by the blood. Hebrews 13 and 12 says we are sanctified by the blood. Come on now. Ephesians 2.13 says we are brought close to God through the blood. And 1 John 1 and 7 tells us that we are cleansed through the blood. And then watch this, y'all. According to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, the church itself was purchased by the blood of Christ. And because of that, the church is precious to God because of the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So now that we understand that we are purified, we are made right, we have another opportunity, we have another chance to make it right because of the blood sacrifice. Because of the blood sacrifice, we engage in chapters 18 through 22. And in chapters 18 through 22, what we are going to see is how holiness the four principles of holiness that we discussed last week, we're going to talk about how they are practiced. Now, I will tell you in the outset, beloveds, as I studied this particular passage of scripture, we're going to dive into chapter 18 today. One of the things that I saw in my study of the word of God is understanding that God had a very specific means by which he instructed the people to not only understand the principles of holiness, but equally to practice holiness. Now, I don't want anybody to get upset with me. I don't want anybody to turn off on me. Don't, don't jump off a line when I'm about to say what I'm about to say, because I want to make sure that you understand that what we are discussing was meant for a people who still had not learned self-control because they still had, watch this, a slave mentality. These people had been free at this point for some time, but some of them were still stuck in their slave mentality. That's one of the reasons why God had to continue to give instruction. And in a lot of ways, we're going to see this as we move into chapters 19 and 20, God had to repeat some things that he had already said to them because they continued to miss the mark. So we're going to dive in today. We're going to dive in. Uh, my goal is to take a look 
at chapter 18 today as we begin the second half of the lesson. If you're following the handout, Roman numeral number two, uh, we're going to deal with the practice of holiness. Now, if you're following the handout, you already look, you can look there and see that there are some 12 practices that are found between chapters 18 through 22 that God gives Moses the instructions to tell the people that they had to follow. We're going to take a look at the first four today. The first four, that's my endeavor, to take a look at the first four uh, principles or practices of holiness based upon the principles of holiness. All right. So let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at it. Uh, letter A under the handout, point number one, letter A under the handout, the first uh, practice of holiness has to deal with separation. Separation, separation, separation. I think I need to begin also by telling you that chapter 18 really deals with a subject that for some reason is very sensitive among the people of God, among the body of Christ, even in this 21st century. Um, it is somewhat of a sensitive subject. In chapter 18, verses 1 through 30, we're going to see God give Moses instructions to give to the people about the sanctity of sex. Now, don't y'all throw me off. Don't y'all jump off. Let's deal with it. All right. Because we live in a society that smiles on monogamous marriages, encourages abortion as a means of birth control, promotes and endorses sex as a means of entertainment, and claims that moral absolutes don't exist. We live in a time where many folks follow the teaching of Sigmund Freud. Freud said, a little vice is all right as long as you don't get caught. Dr. Fulton Sheen, Bible scholar, said that the Victorians pretended that sex did not exist, while the modern age pretends that nothing else exists. So in this particular passage of scripture, I'm not going to be talking about sex in the format that the world or our present day culture deals with. I'm going to deal with the instructions that God gave Moses as it relates to the people of God, his chosen nature, nation, not so much in understanding sexual relation or sexual activity. But here, Moses is going to make sure that they understand that there is an holiness involved in our relationships. He's going to have us understand that there are clear instructions clear instructions for personal sexual hygiene, sexual morality, and even in marriage. Here's why, beloved, we must remember that we are created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, the creator knows what's best for his creation. So what God here wants us to understand is that married couples are to enjoy the gift of sex. It is a gift of God. It is a gift from God for married couples. Can I say that one more time? Sex is a gift of God 
for married couples. But here he also wants them to avoid the consequences that come from violating his law regarding the sanctity of sex. So let's dive into it. I'm, I'm going to deal with it from a biblical aspect. I'm talking Bible today. I'm talking Bible. The first thing, the first practice of holiness involves separation. Separation. Let's look at it. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1, 2, and 3. We find these words recorded from the English Standard Version of the Word of God. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. Now, here it is, beloved. God is making it abundantly clear to the people, to the people, that he has chosen them as his chosen nation. Because they were his chosen nation, he says to them, I need you to remember who I am. He says to Moses, now remember we said this last week, that every time you see verses one and two, where it says, and the Lord said to Moses saying, speak to the people, there's another subject that God is bringing up. So God introduces this new subject and he says to them in this new subject, I don't need you to live based on where you came from. I don't need you to live based on where you're going. I need you to live based on what I tell you. Amen. Amen. In other words, here's what's taking place. Here's what God is saying. God is basically saying here, look, I need you to remember who I am. The phrase in verse two, where he says, I am the Lord, is used some 42 times in Leviticus chapter 18 through 26. Basically, the Lord is warning them in verse three, not to look back and imitate what you saw in Egypt, but look at this. Don't even look around and imitate the sins of where you are now. He said, when the Jews were to enter Canaan, when they entered Canaan, they discovered that the people there were unspeakably immoral. They were married and giving in to marriage. Mm-hmm. They, they were creating such things as incest, rape, those sort of things were taking place. And so God says, look, I need you to, first of all, practice holiness by being different from your surroundings. Amen. That's the first point that I want to drive. He basically says to them and to us, we ought to be different from the world around us. We ought to stand out from the world around us. It kind of goes back to what I shared with us on Sunday in the preaching moment when I shared with us that when we understand who he is and we operate in his character, we have a power over the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. He said that if we lose our savor, we're good for nothing. He said, I'm not going to put the light, I'm not going to light a light and stick it under a bucket. No, that defeats its purpose. 
What, what Jesus was saying to us is basically what God is saying to Moses. Moses, tell my people that I need them to obey what I tell them. Which leads me right into the second point that we're going to see. All right. Not only must we be separate, the second practice of holiness, once we understand that we are separate, we are called out to be different. According to verses four and five, the second practice is that we must also operate in obedience. That's that's it. We must operate in obedience. Look with me at verses four and five real quick. Let's look at verse four and five and let's look at what he says in verses four and five. He says, you shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk with them. I am the Lord, your God. There it is again. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. What is, what is he saying here? He's basically saying, according to verse four, that we should be following what he says. Now, how many times throughout the Bible have we seen the Bible teach us the importance of obedience? How many times have we seen in the Bible, in the Bible, the importance of obedience? Is it not in the book of Numbers where the Bible declares obedience is better than a sacrifice? Well, if you've ever looked at that passage, I believe it's Numbers 13, might be number 16, somewhere along there, he says that obedience is better than sacrifice, but back up a verse because the verse before he says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In other words, if you are going against what God is saying and know that you're going against what God is saying, you got a spirit on you that is similar to a spirit of witchcraft. You got a spirit that has taken control of your natural mind and caused you to act unseemingly. God says we must obey his commandments because in verse five, he says this obedience to God's commandments bring life. Other biblical writers quote the same thing. If people would just obey, he says in verse five, their obedience would save them. Look at it. Look at it. Verse five. Look at it. Verse five. He said, you therefore shall keep my statutes and my rules. And look at what he says. And if a person does them, what's going to happen? You shall live by them. You're going to find life in obedience. We've seen this more than once with these people. We've seen this several times with the people of God. We're going to see it again in Deuteronomy where they are chose. They are, they had a choice rather to make, and they had to decide what choice to make. Moses said before them, see, I have set before you Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. I'm sorry. That's right. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 10. See, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You've got a choice to make. Choose life so that you and your servants may live. So he says to them, not only must you be separate, you must operate in a level of obedience. It is better to obey God than to obey man. 
It is better to follow God's way than to do it your own way. Amen. He says that if you keep my statutes, verse five again, if you keep my statutes and you keep my rules, the person who does it shall live by them. Amen. When we are obedient to God, we are enjoying fellowship with God and an abundant life that he promises those of us who seek to obey. Which brings us to the third point, uh, the third practice of holiness. And it's found right there in chapter 18. As a matter of fact, the bulk of the chapter deals with the third practice of holiness. What is the third practice of holiness? We've already talked about separation, which basically means holiness states that I'm going to look different. Look at this. Second practice of obedience. Holiness basically says that I must obey God and God alone. For those of y'all taking notes, you might want to jot those two things down. Let me give them to you again. Separation. Holiness basically says I must look different. I must look different. I got to act different. I got to think different. I got to be different. Amen. Second thing we must call holiness calls us to obey. Obedience simply means I have one master and I'm going to follow that one master. I'm going to do what God says and only what God says. Well, that brings us to the third point. Letter C under Roman numeral two of the handout. Third practice of holiness is purity. Purity. Look at this. This is what purity means. Purity simply means that I have standards. Holiness simply means that I have standards. Let's look at verses six through 23, and I'm going to read it all. And then because it's something there, there's one basic piece that I need to drive throughout this particular passage. Let's let's look at them all together. Beginning at verse six, the word of God. None of you shall approach any one of his close relatives to uncover nakedness. I am the Lord. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father, which is the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your sister, your father's daughter, or your mother's daughter, whether brought up in the family or in another home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter, of your daughter's daughter, for their nakedness is your own nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter brought up in your father's family since she is your sister. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is your father's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's relative. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. That is, you shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. Lord have mercy. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman or and of her daughter. You shall not take her son's daughter 
or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are relatives. It is depravity. You should not take a woman as a wife, as a rival wife to her sister, uncovering her nakedness while her sister is still alive. You should not approach a woman to uncover her nakedness while she's in her menstrual uncleanness. And you shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife and so to make yourself unclean with her. You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And you shall not lie with any animal and so make yourself unclean with it. Neither shall any woman give herself to an animal to lie with it. It is perversion. Now, beloveds, I know that we saw one basic principle. There's one phrase that was repeated in this particular phrase, in this particular chapter, a number of times. That phrase was to uncover the nakedness. This phrase simply means that you should not have sexual relations with. The phrase uncover the nakedness simply means to not have sexual relations. Leviticus chapter 18, chapter 18, verses 7 through 18, deal with incestuous relationships. Okay, let's, let's deal with it. Because in this particular passage, basically God is basically saying that there are some things for the sake of holiness that are simply off limits. Can I say that again? This basically says that certain things, he says, look, look at what he says. Go all the way back to verse number seven, all right? In verse number seven, he started out there. We're basically saying, you shall not have sexual relationships with your father or your mother. Verse eight, he continues, you don't have sexual relationships with your father's wife. Verse nine, he continues, you shall not have sexual relationships with your sister, whether they are your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether they were in the house or came out of another home. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. Come on, y'all. For their nakedness is your own nakedness. Don't uncover, verse 11, the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter. She's your sister. Lord, y'all see it? You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. That's your aunt. Don't have sex with your aunt. You should not have sexual relations with your mother's sister. Again, that's your aunt. You shall not have sexual relations with your father's brother. You shall not even approach his wife. Y'all see this? Basically, what we're seeing here throughout this is basically having us to understand that there is a standard to morality. And when it comes to moral standards, holiness says that I have standards that I will not allow to be crossed. Amen. That's, that's basically what's happening here. That's basically what we are seeing here in the word of God. Here's what we're seeing. What we are seeing here is the seventh commandment going all the way back to Exodus chapter 20 coming to pass. In other words, here in verses 7 through 18, all right, 
we see all of the ancestral relationship. He even went so far as to say that you can't even have sexual relationships with your sister-in-law if your wife is still alive. What is this? This is all about setting standards. Holiness is a matter of setting standards and not only setting standards, but keeping standards. Mm-hmm. Then he goes so far into verse 14, verse 20 rather. In verse 20, he repeats the seventh commandment. Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. You know, God said it is wrong to sleep with your neighbor's wife, even though she's not a relative. God says, no, that's wrong. And that's not the only place. Let me give you a few scriptures. So in the Old and the New Testament that really deal with this setting of standards. Proverbs 2, verses 16 through 19. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28. We'll be covering that pretty soon in our sermon series. Romans 13 and 9. Galatians 5, 19. And then James chapter 2, verse 11. Then he goes so far in verse 21 to basically says, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech. Now let's find out quickly who Molech was. Turn with me. Let's fast forward just a little bit to chapter 20. Chapter 20, chapter 20, chapter 20. And let's look at verses one through five. I'm going to just read it because in a couple of weeks, we're going to be right back at this particular spot. Leviticus chapter 20, verses one through five. You there? Let's look at the word of God. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, say to the people of Israel, there it is, another, another instruction. Any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Melech, shall, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if, if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, verse 5, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him in whoring after Molech. So the question automatically comes up, well, pastor, who is Molech? That is a great question. And I want to take a moment to answer it. Who is Molech? First of all, Molech in the Bible was a Canaanite deity that was associated with the practice of child sacrifice. All right. Why were children sacrificed to Molech? They were sacrificed to draw the wrath of God. As a matter of fact, they were sacrificed to Molech as a means of worship of sacrificial worship. The problem with it was, it was against what God taught. The name comes from a Hebrew, Melech King, 
and vowels bochet, meaning shame. All right. In other words, it was basically a king of shame. But let me show you something else. Molech, also in Hebrew, is another name for the God we know as Baal. Baal was the author of false worship. Amen. Remember that the Baal was one that was the author of false worship that we will see a little bit later fought against Elisha, the prophets of Baal. Remember, God said, look, I'm going to show you whoever is the real God. Remember, they set up two altars. Filled the altars, they dug a trench, wrapped it out with a dog, filled it with water, placed the sacrifice there. And God said, whoever, whichever God answered by fire first would be the real God. That's in, that's in 1 Kings, I believe, 2 Kings, 2 Kings, thank you, Holy Spirit, 2 Kings. And so it was there that they laid the sacrifice, laid the wood, prophets of Baal started calling on their God, they called all day. They called all day into the evening hours to the point that Elijah started messing with them. You might want to call a little bit louder. He can't hear you. He might be asleep. Yell a little bit louder and wake him up. And when that did not happen, then here comes Elijah with preparing his altar, 12 stones, pouring out a, digging out a trench, filling the trench with water, laying the wood and the sacrifice on the wood in the middle of the water, in the middle of the ditch that's surrounded by rocks and called on the name of God. And Bible says that fire fell from heaven, burnt the sacrifice, burnt the wood, evaporated the stones, and even dried up the water. Come on, y'all. What, what are we seeing here? People who operate in holiness don't live in a way that profanes the name of God, which brings me right into another piece that as, as we see in the remaining verses, in verses 22 and 23, he deals with homosexuality, bestiality. I know y'all are about to get upset with me, but I'm coming straight from the word. In verse 22, he said, you shall not lie with a male as you do with a woman. In God's sight, that is an abomination. Look at this, verse 23, bestiality. You shall not have sexual relationship with an animal. And because he said, when you do, you make yourself unclean. The NIV version says, you make yourself detestable, all right? He said that people who commit any of those kind of sins, God says, you will be cut off. You will be cut off. Now, here's the good news for us. According to Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, anybody who commits any of those sins can be forgiven there is still an opportunity for you to be made right. But all you have to do, according to the word of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 10, and Colossians 3, verses 1 through 7, all we have to do is repent, forsake our old lifestyle, and seek to do it his way. Holiness is a means of understanding that I have standards. And I'm going to live according to the standards that God has set. 
I'm going to wrap up here by sharing the last four, the last five verses, the fourth principle that's found in chapter 18, the fourth practice of holiness. All right. Quick review. We've talked about separation. We've talked about obedience. We've talked about purity. The fourth principle, the fourth practice rather of holiness that's found in Leviticus chapter 18 is that of spiritual focus. Spiritual focus. I have to remain, holiness basically says, I have to remain focused on what God said and do it like God said, do it. Let's wrap up by looking at the final verses, verses 24 through the end of the chapter. Let's wrap up. The word of God says, do not make yourself unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean, so that I punished its iniquity, and the land vomited out of its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger who sojourns with you. For the people of the land who were before you did all these abominations so that the land became unclean lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, look at what the word of God says. The person who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord. Now, y'all, these last six verses sort of sum up, if you will, everything that we've talked about through chapter 18, all right? Basically because he is dealing with the sanctity of sexual relations. Here, he's making sure that they understand that sexual perversion, doing it outside of God's way, is like a disease germ. It makes the society, it makes the nation sick. God says that the land itself becomes sick and it must vomit out filthy people the same way the human body vomits out those things that are toxic or poisonous. Hmm. See, see, we must remember, beloveds, that we got to stay focused on God's way of doing things. That's what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual focus. We, we, we must understand that when we disobey God, we're setting ourselves up for dangerous territory. It's better to obey God. It's better to practice true holiness. True holiness simply says that if I know it's not right, I cannot do it. The Bible says, should we continue in sin and man perish? The Bible makes it clear. God forbid. What we got to do is we got to start preaching the truth in love. We got to start telling people if it's wrong, we got to call it wrong. We got to tell people the right way. Amen. Sometimes truth hurts. Sometimes truth offends. But I'm reminded of the late minister Lula Lilly, who was a part of a church I pastored down in Stanley County. Minister Lilly used to say, sometimes you got to get hurt 
to get help. What are you saying to us, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. Holiness must be practiced. And if it's wrong, we got to call it wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. Don't want to wish anything bad on you, but you're wrong. I want the best for you. So I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Amen, somebody. Amen. And thus we've wrapped up chapter 18. I, I, I said in the outset, chapter 18 wasn't going to be one of the easier chapters. Um, because of the subject behind the lesson. But I pray that you see here that there are some, some principles and some practices that we must glean from this passage, all right? We must understand that we got to be different from the world. That's what separation means. We don't act like the world. We're different from the world. We got to always remember, secondly, we are called to obey. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. We are called to be separate. We are called to obey. We, we are called to understand that we ought to live lives that are pure before God. God, I want you to be pleased. Hear those three words again. I want you to be pleased with my actions, my attitude, and even my atmosphere. And then once we keep our lives clean and we get clean, we then must then strive to maintain a spiritual focus. God, I need your help, not only to get it right, but to stay right. And so we've wrapped up chapter 18. Next week, we'll continue looking at chapter 19. Chapter 19, uh, we're going to see chapter 19 and 20 actually go together. Um, in chapters 19 and 20, we're going to actually see where Moses is going to take them back to the Ten Commandments. In chapter 19, we're going to see how the commandments should be applied to everyday life. And then in chapter 20, we're going to see that there are consequences to violating the commandments that God has given. And of course, as always, if you have any questions from today's lesson, please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. Um, if you're, of course, Tuesday morning, give me a moment to wrap up the morning class. I'll be more than happy to answer your questions and if you're in the Tuesday evening class, I am behind the scenes. Give us a moment to also answer your questions as well. I pray today, people of God, that you have really captured the essence of what God's word is teaching us in understanding that holiness is a practical thing. We've got to practice it. We got to practice it. We got to practice it in our lives. It's got to be practiced beyond the church. It's got to be practiced in our homes, in our everyday living. That's why the word of God says that we must let our lights so shine before men that they will see our good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. People of God, don't forget the other announcements and the activities that are taking place throughout the course of the week. Uh, this evening, parents, don't forget to please bring your children to youth choir rehearsal this evening at 630. Um, of course, on tomorrow evening, Cyber Sunday School will be replayed at 6. We have prayer on Wednesday at 12 noon. Also, all members of ministerial staff, do not forget our meeting um, on tomorrow evening at 6.30 as well. Thursday morning, New Testament Word Walk at 11.30 with a rebroadcast at 7 p.m. And then, of course, St. James family, please do not forget uh, the homegoing celebration and service for our beloved Sister Eula Lawrence. Uh, which will be held on Saturday at 12 noon here at the church. Visitation one hour prior to service time. 
Uh, we're certainly continuing to offer our prayers to the Lawrence family and all of those whose hearts are saddened in bereavement at this time. Let's continue to pray one for another. This coming Sunday, we continue our celebration of Black History Month. This coming Sunday, of course, it is Dress Down Sunday, but we are going to recognize our area HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. And also, we want to take a moment to celebrate the Divine Nine, the Greek organizations that are prompting and pulling forth the importance of value, of fellowship, friendship, education, and service. We're going to be highlighting them and recognizing those members of our family who are a part of the Divine Nine as well. Looking forward to a great, grand, and glorious time in God as we continue our study uh, of the Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing that on Sunday morning as well. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. I pray God's con continued blessings upon you. Pray that he continues to keep you in a perfect peace as you keep your minds stayed on him. Join me now in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I say thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and this privilege to share with you people. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the strength of your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that our steps are ordered by your word. Ask right now, oh God, that you would lead us, guide us, and direct us. Let everything we do say and think be found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. As we part ways, God, but never part from your presence, keep us, bless us, protect us, and preserve us. This is our prayer. We offer it now in the name of Jesus. We pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God. We'll be back together next Tuesday to continue our walk through the word of God. Until such time, be safe, be blessed, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.